Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. We can hear the wind gusting outside. We hope everybody is taking the necessary precautions in order to stay, stay safe during this weather. Um, Secretary Morowitz, would you please call the roll? Sure. Commissioner Guillermo? Present. Commissioner Bernal? Present. Commissioner Chow? Present. Commissioner Chong? Present. Commissioner Green? Present. All right. Now, uh, <coughs> Commissioner Chung will offer the Ramachish Ohlone land acknowledgement. Commissioner Chung. The San Francisco Health Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territories. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign right <coughs> as First Peoples. Thank you, Commissioner Chung. Our next item on the agenda um, is an action item, Health Commission Officer Elections. We will open this item. Do we have a nomination for Vice President? Um, Mr. President, I would like to, uh, I have the pleasure and privilege of nominating uh, Vice President uh, Green for another term as Vice President uh, for the Commission. Uh, Commissioner Green, Vice President Green, has shown uh, a true dedication uh, to the mission uh, of the commission and to the, uh, her concern and um, uh, for the residents of San Francisco. I've had the pleasure of serving with her on the Ugunahanda JCC and have seen uh, the, uh, an immense amount of uh, preparation uh, and dedication to um, the, the issues that have, that have come up with regard to both Laguna Honda and all the other uh, responsibilities that uh, she carries as um, Vice President. So it is my, uh, again, pleasure and privilege to nominate Commissioner Green for a second term as Vice President. Thank you, Commissioner Guillermo. Do we have a second? Second. Do we have any public comment on this item? Folks online, if you'd like to make public comment on item two, please press star three. Uh, the vote, uh, the comments would currently be on the vice president election. Again, star three. I see no hands, commissioners. All right. Commissioners, any comments? <laughs> yes, Vice President Green. Well, I'm really honored and thank you for those kind words. It would be a real privilege to continue to serve with this wonderful, wonderful commission and such an incredibly collegial group of commissioners and great leadership at the DPH and our wonderful Secretary Morowitz. Thank you, Vice President Green. All right, if no. So we do a vote? Yes, let's do a vote. You will, actually, now that we're in in-person meetings, we go to the old school vote where a motion, a second motion, then you actually just call the vote and it's um, oh, okay. in favor and against. Thank, thank you for that reminder that we're returning to our previous uh, uh, processes. Uh, all right, we have a nomination on the table. It's been seconded for Vice President Green to continue as Vice President for another term. All those in favor, say aye. 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 
Opposed? All right. Motion carries. Congratulations. Congratulations, Vice President Green. Uh, our next item is a nomination for president of the commission. Do we have a nomination for president? Vice President Green. I would like to nominate President Bernal for another term. This has been such a challenging and difficult time in San Francisco, and you have brought every skill you have to bear with your incredible political knowledge, your, in, your wise sense of reading people and understanding situations, and I think we've made such progress, especially at Laguna Honda, thanks to your leadership and your judgment. So I, I cannot think of anyone in the galaxy who would be a better person to continue as president as we work through recertification and many of the challenges. And I also hope that um, as COVID is starting to wane, that you'll have a chance to lead uh, at a time that isn't so medically stressful for our community. I, I can think of very few people who have done more for the city and county of San Francisco than Dan Bernal. You are a true civic treasure and it is such an honor to nominate you. Thank you for your kind words. Is there a second? I second. All right. Uh, Secretary Moritz, please remind me, do I need to hand the gavel to someone else during this election? Yes, and it would be Commissioner Green because she is the vice president. All right. All right. Well, is there any public comment on this? Uh, folks on the line, if you'd like to make public comment, please press uh, star three. We see one hand. So um, I'm going to set up, and actually, let's go back to this. Um, due to changes in our remote public comment process, um, the, the, there are several categories of remote public comment. One is for those who've received accommodation for disabilities. I only, so I'm just noting that, but there's only one hand, so we're gonna take that one hand. Moderator, please unmute that caller and I'll put three minutes on the, on the clock. Uh, good afternoon, uh, this is Patrick Manetshaw. My accommodation code for making public comment on every agenda item today is WW. Um, I, it, speaking to Commissioner Bernal's nomination, I, uh, I guess I support it, but it would be nice to see Commissioner Bernal take more of a lead on um, getting uh, the department and Laguna Honda in specific to submit a written waiver request to CMS and CDPH um, around the 120 bed issue. Um, my understanding is CDPH's policy allows facilities to submit a written waiver request we don't need any federal legislation to seek grandfathering uh, three-person rooms to prevent the 120-bed cut. So, Commissioner Bernal, I expect and pray that you will use your leadership as commission president to get that letter submitted to CDPH expeditiously, even while we're still waiting for the long drawn out recertification process to conclude. 
um, assuming recertification happens, that written waiver request should be on file um, quickly so that CDPH can move on to approving it so we keep those desperately needed skilled nursing beds at Laguna Honda and not uh, see even more people displaced out of county because of the lack and the diminishing supply of skilled nursing beds. Thank you. Is there any other public comment on that? That is the only public comment on that item. How about commissioner comments? Jesse. Yeah, I would, I would just like to speak to uh, the leadership, uh, actually the leadership team of Vice President Green and President Bernal, uh, which has led uh, San Francisco through very, very difficult uh, times during their, their terms and uh, really uh, want to, on record, uh, make sure that we acknowledge uh, that, as I said, uh, for Commissioner Green, the dedication uh, and the concern that both of these individuals have shown for the residents of California and also their partnership with the department uh, and uh, other uh, parts of government that have really, I think, lent uh, uh, to a uh, both a collegial um, environment for uh, the commission and the work that we do, but also uh, for showing the public that there is uh, leadership such as theirs, uh, and particularly for President Bernal uh, during these times that we can count on. Thank you. Go ahead, Commissioner Chow. Yes, thank you. I uh, want to express my support of the team and particularly uh, President Burnell. Uh, over these 35 years, I think we have been able to justify the public's trust in having a health commission. Prior to this, we were unable, those of us who were interested in public health, to make our needs known unless we spoke to the um, uh, official administrator that was in charge of the health department. Uh, if we were to talk about transparency, there was no transparency at that time. And over these years, Commissioner Vernell and Vice President Green have followed in the tradition of being a, of of uh, leading and at the same time being able to be sure that we hear the public and that we act on behalf of the public and so i would like to strongly support the uh, nomination of commissioner burnell as president for another year thank you commissioner chung well, Commissioner Chow took all the words from my mouth, um, but I also want to um, just say that I truly support um, the nomination of the team of President Bernal and Pres Vice President Green. You, I know that you two have really, really busy day job, you know, and to juggle between that and balance that with your leadership on the health commissions at a time where we are experiencing, you know, like an unprecedented um, pandemic, it's phenomenal. And I just want to express my gratitude and my appreciations to, to have the pressure and honor to serve with you both. 
and President Bernal. Thank you, Vice President Green. Well, first of all, thank you to my fellow commissioners for all of your kind words. I'm humbled by them. I'm so grateful for your leadership, for your uh, community leadership, for the expertise you bring to this body. Um, every day I learn something from you and you make me a better member of this commission, particularly Vice President Green, who through it all has been a hand of steady leadership, uh, bringing both her uh, clinical knowledge as well as her administrative knowledge to some of the most crucial issues that we have been facing in the past few years, whether it is COVID or MPOX or uh, the recertification of Laguna Honda, uh, where you and, uh, and Commissioner Guillermo show such great leadership in guiding that process as well, along with the leadership there. Um, I also wanna thank Mayor London Breed uh, for the opportunity to continue to serve to protect the public health of all San Franciscans and uh, am grateful for, for this nomination and the possible opportunity to continue in this role for another four years so that we can, now that we are through at least the public health emergency of COVID, but still vigilant in the impacts on our community, um, looking forward towards the recertification of Laguna Honda and working with the excellent leadership here uh, to continuing to make progress in our getting to zero initiative to uh, get to zero HIV uh, deaths uh, transmissions and stigma, and also to address um, the real crisis of overdoses on our street and the implementation of Mental Health SF, among a number of other priorities, um, all of which have great contributions from this body to help us address them. So thank you very much for your kind words, for your faith in me, and uh, thank you. And I guess we will take a vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you all and congratulations to Vice President Green as well. I do want to mention that um, as you may recall from our last meeting, we were starting with a new system based on the guidance that was put forward by the city attorney and the city administrator. We did have some hiccups because it was new technology and new systems. Uh, we did get some very strong feedback from the public and want everybody to know that we took that to heart. And we must acknowledge the leadership of Secretary Morowitz in really taking all of that input and setting up a new system that we are using today uh, that we expect to go more smoothly, still ask for patience from folks in case we have some, uh, some adjustment issues. But uh, thank you again to Secretary Morowitz for being so responsive to public concerns and for doing an excellent job in bringing us a new system. Thank you. Uh, our next item is general public comment. Right, I have a quick, actually not a quick script to read, it's a bit long. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, but are not on this meeting agenda. Each member of the public may address the commission for up to three minutes. The Brown Act forbids a commission from taking action or discussing any item not appearing on the posted agenda, including those raised during public comment. Please note that each individual is allowed one opportunity to speak per agenda item. Individuals may not return more than once to read statements from other individuals unable to attend the meeting. Written public comment may be sent to the health commission at the following email address, the word health dot, the word commission dot, D like dog, P like Paul, H at sfdph.org. If you wish to spell your name in the minutes, you may do so during your verbal comments without taking your allotted time. Please note that city policies along with federal, state, and local law prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. We will first take public comment from individuals attending the meeting in person. 
and I don't see any folks um, outside of um, government employees in the room, so we will only do remote public comment. And we'll first do that from um, those who have received an accommodation for a disability. I've given each of these individuals a code to speak when they begin their comments to prevent others from speaking during this time. Finally, we will hear remote public comment from all other, in all other individuals. There will be a time limit of 20 minutes on the total amount of remote public comment that can be heard on each item from individuals who have not received an accommodation for disability. Uh, because of the new remote public comment procedures recommended by the Office of the City Administrator and the City Attorney's Office, please do not raise your hand to make remote public comment on an item until your category is called. I, re I repeat, please do not raise your hand to make remote public comment until your category is called. Great, so we will start um, with those folks uh, who have received an accommodation for disability. Please raise your hand by pressing star three for general public comment. I see one hand. Uh, moderator, please unmute that caller and see if they have a code to um, note that they've gotten an accommodation. Yeah, my digital Patrick, my code is WW. I too want to thank Mr. Morowitz for working out the bugs on this remote WebEx system. I know uh, the technical difficulties were not his fault. Um, my testimony today is about DGH's history, not items on today's agenda. Following Laguna Honda's 2019 sex abuse scandal, which scandal cost the city at least $1,867,000 to date in fines, penalties, lawsuit settlements, and city attorney expenses and time. DCH released a, quote, 60-day Laguna Honda reform plan, end quote, in August 2019. Metadata shows the plan was authored by Troy Williams, uh, the San Francisco Health Network Chief Quality Officer. The reform plan claimed an overarching goal, quote, there is more to reform than just coming into compliance with regulatory findings, which is kind of ironic now. The goal continued, quote, the goal for Laguna Honda is to build a best-in-class, long-term care residential facility worthy of the patients and San Franciscans, end quote. Unfortunately, DCH and SFHN kept operating Laguna Honda as if it were an acute care hospital, not a skilled nursing facility. The reform plan asserted SFHN would reorganize Laguna Honda's quality management department. Despite Laguna Honda's purported quality management reorganization in 2019, Laguna Honda's quality improvement problems persist to this day. Thanks to Williams and Dr. Kovacs' leadership failures, Laguna Honda's 2019 reform plan was a complete failure. Williams is not a reliable actor. Thank you. That is the only hand that was up for general public comment, commissioners. 
All right. Thank you, Secretary Morowitz. We'll move on to our next item, number four for discussion, the Laguna Honda Hospital and Rehabilitation Center closure plan and CMS recertification update. Uh, for this presentation, we have uh, Roland Pickens, who's the acting uh, CEO of Laguna Honda Hospital. Welcome, uh, Director Pickens. Thank you, Commissioner Bernal. A little bit closer, please. Is it okay to raise it? Yes, up? if you can. Thank you, Commissioner Bernal, and good afternoon, uh, Commissioners. It's a pleasure to be here with you on this rainy, soggy day. Uh, it's my pleasure in my capacity as uh, acting and interim uh, chief executive officer at Laguna Honda Hospital to present you uh, this month's update on the Laguna Honda uh, path towards CMS recertification. Next slide. You'll recall that in uh, April, uh, the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services terminated Lagunda's participation in the Medicare and Medicaid uh, provider programs. Um, despite that termination, we've brought on board consultants and working with our own internal consultants from throughout DPH and across the city, we continue to work hard to meet all the regulatory requirements and to make rapid improvements uh, on our path towards recertification. And we're confident that we have the resources and um, skills on board to make that a successful endeavor. Next slide. During this process of uh, decertification, uh, a settlement agreement was reached uh, on November 10th, 2022, between the city and county of San Francisco through the city attorney's office uh, with federal CMS uh, in the form of a system, a settlement and systems improvement agreement uh, that outlines the current operations at Laguna Honda. Part of that settlement agreement was significant uh, in that it uh, uh, allowed for ongoing funding by CMS uh, to support care at Laguna Honda initially through November 13th and was recently uh, extended on May on February 1st to have those payments extend at least through May 19th of this year 2023. Uh, I hope we can all agree that this uh, is was and is still a very humane and compassionate path for our residents, their families, our staff and the entire San Francisco Bay Area community. Next slide. As part of our journey towards recertification, we had the pleasure of uh, hosting uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra on February 24th. Um, Director Colfax uh, and Mayor London Breed uh, joined uh, the secretary uh, on a tour of Laguna Honda, and the mayor uh, was quite uh, active in that process and took an active role in leading the tour and I was able to actually participate also. During the tour, the secretary had the opportunity to meet residents, uh, staff, uh, with our union leadership, uh, and even some family members. He visited several parts of the hospital, including the rehabilitation department and our um, unit neighborhood 4 North to see firsthand many of the improvements. 
and he really did spend time, um, particularly on 4 North, looking at um, many of the service enhancements that have already taken place and actually talking directly with many staff members and hearing from them firsthand what they've seen over the past several months and the improvements that uh, have since ensued. Uh, as a result of that visit, we feel very optimistic that Secretary Becerra and our federal partners at CMS left the visit with a deeper and better understanding of our commitment to improvement at Laguna Honda and our dedication to our residents and the indispensable role that Laguna Honda plays in San Francisco. Next slide. During that um, visit with Secretary Bracera, one of the things we also discussed was uh, an issue that we've discussed here previously, and that is the uh, 2016 federal requirement that was put into place that required um, newly um, certified facilities to have no more than a maximum of two residents per room in a skilled nursing facility. We shared with the secretary uh, our grave um, concern about this new regulation and the fact uh, that Laguna Honda uh, might be subject to complying with that because to date that is the best information we've been provided is that we must comply. To show our good faith effort uh, to comply, Laguna Honda temporarily um, decommissioned the third room in those triplet uh, areas to that total 120 bed reduction. And I say temporarily because um, we have left those beds on the, on the hospital's license to remain, uh, um, to um, give ourselves the most options as we pursue recertification um, with the desire that uh, accommodation and understanding can be reached that will allow those beds to be uh, reviewed, certified, and licensed in the future. And we continue to work uh, with our federal partners, primarily through the city attorney's office, to pursue all avenues to make uh, that a reality, that we will be able to restore those 120 beds. Uh, we continue that dialogue on a regular basis and we'll keep the commission updated as we gain more information. But please know it, it, is, our, it is our firm uh, commitment that we are doing everything we can to maintain those beds, knowing how vital they are uh, to San Francisco and the San Francisco community. In terms of the settlement agreement that I spoke about a few slides ago, it has many components. And um, at the heart of it was the requirement that Laguna Honda secure the uh, services of a CMS-approved quality improvement expert to conduct a root cause analysis uh, to identify potential um, causes that may have led to the decertification status. Uh, the Health Services Advisory Group was uh, selected uh, by Laguna and approved by CMS as that quality improvement expert. And as you know, have been on the ground at Laguna actually um, as early as two weeks past that April 22 uh, decertification. 
So they have thoroughly immersed themselves into the culture of Laguna Honda, uh, into every aspect of its operations. They reviewed uh, all of the previous survey findings over an 18-month period prior to April of 2022 uh, and uh, developed their root cause analysis with key findings and then turned and worked with Laguna to develop um, a corrective uh, action plan that has some 460 milestones uh, that get to the heart of fixing those deficits identified in the root cause analysis. Next slide. Another component of the settlement agreement uh, is that uh, CMS through the California Department of Public Health would conduct uh, what they called every 90 day monitoring surveys. The purpose of those surveys uh, is to provide CMS and California Department of Public Health with an opportunity to assess, to assess the progress of Laguna towards regaining uh, uh, compliance with all federal regulations and eventually to recertify in the CMS program. You'll recall the first of those 90-day monitoring surveys occurred uh, in late November, December. And uh, I am uh, pleased to report that the second survey occurred uh, on just last week. And um, um, uh, I would, I'm also happy to share that uh, it was uh, overall a very successful survey, particularly compared to the first survey. In fact, uh, the first survey um, that was held, um, there were a total of 124 uh, deficiencies identified uh, in that survey back in November and, and um, December. Uh, you'll recall that uh, under the terms of the settlement agreement, uh, those deficiencies required that the quality improvement expert health services advisory group uh, look at those deficiencies, incorporate them into the previously done root cause analysis, update the root cause analysis, and then update uh, with any additional milestones that would be needed to address those issues. Uh, happy to report that those milestones were updated and added. And with the result being that this second survey, uh, compared to the 124 deficiencies in the first survey, this second survey yielded uh, only a total of 23 preliminary um, deficiencies. And I say preliminary because that is the verbal report we, re we received from the surveyors when they left on, on Friday. And uh, as you know, uh, we will await their official written um, results uh, where they reserve to write the right to either add more or take away some of those efficiencies. But right now, it's looking at around 23. So as you can imagine, that's a significant reduction from what we saw in the first survey and hopefully um, proves to uh, CMS and everyone else that indeed true progress and uh, improvement is being made at Laguna Honda. I think it's also important to say that um, despite this uh, reduction in deficiencies, we know that our work has not concluded. In fact, um, you know, we are still on a journey towards improving uh, both the operation and regulatory compliance and the, and the culture at Laguna 
that reinforces an ongoing learning, improving organization. Uh, and as I shared with staff um, starting Friday and over the last few days, that uh, let's celebrate that, that success last week, but also know it means that it raises the bar for us. It means when they come for the next 90-day monitoring survey, it has to be even better than the one we just experienced, again, to show that there's ongoing uh, improvement uh, in operations uh, at Laguna Honda. Uh, and according to the settlement agreement, we would expect that would be now that third 90-day monitoring survey, 90 days from last Friday within that window or so. Next slide. I talked about the uh, action plan. Uh, also happy to report that um, uh, the CMS quality improvement expert uh, was able to report, uh, it give its second report uh, for the month of February to uh, CMS. Uh, they were able to report that, uh, again, Laguna Honda successfully, successfully implemented all of the required milestones for the month. There were about 133 for the month of February. Uh, we are now uh, a little bit over halfway through the month of March. There are 77 uh, RCA milestones for the month of March, and uh, as of now, we are on target to be 100% uh, compliant with those. And as always, uh, we'll continue to monitor those on a daily basis, reporting up through the DPH and to the Laguna Honda JCC on our progress. Uh, next slide. Again, so the slide is catching up to uh, what I just reported, that we successfully completed those 133 milestones. Uh, next slide. And again, just for reference for everyone, uh, to give a, a, a pictorial of our journey towards recertification, uh, the top reflects those survey readiness activities, the 90-day monitoring surveys, and then the bottom reflects the RCA and the action plan the milestones uh, that must be completed. Next slide. I also wanted to um, uh, reiterate that um, what I shared earlier that um, um, the um, CMS did extend the uh, terms of the settlement agreement through May uh, 13th in terms of additional payments. Uh, you'll recall that under the uh, settlement agreement, um, rather the, the initial decertification, there is a requirement that the, a facility that's decertified must have a closure plan in place. You'll, rec you'll recall that we submitted our initial uh, revised closure plan in December. Uh, CMS returned it to us. We made the requested changes, resubmitted it to CMS on February 2nd, and we're still waiting on their response uh, as to whether or not those revisions that we made are acceptable and are hoping they will provide their approval as soon as possible. The good thing is that we remain on pause and transfers and discharges, so um, not having that closure plan doesn't affect uh, our ability to uh, Particularly, particularly transfer residents to other facilities at this time. Uh, and again, our, it is our firm hope and desire that even once approved, we would still never have to implement 
uh, even the revised, revised closure plan whenever that comes to fruition. So that concludes my formal report and at the appropriate time, we'll be happy to address any comments or concerns that the commission um, may have. Thank you, Dr. Pickens. Secretary Moritz, do we have any public comment on this item? We have a couple hands and I have a script to read before we get to them. For each agenda item, members of the public will have an opportunity to make comment for up to three minutes. The public comment process is designed to invite input and feedback from individuals in the community. However, the process does not allow questions to be answered in the meeting or for members of the public to engage in back and forth conversation with the commissioners. The commissioners do consider comments from members of the public when discussing an item and making requests to the DPH. Please note that each individual is allowed one opportunity to speak per agenda item. Individuals may not return more than once to read statements from other individuals unable to attend the meeting. Written public comment may, may be sent to health, the health commission at the following email address, the word health.commission.dph at sfdph.org. Please note that city policies along with federal, state, and local uh, law prohibit discriminatory harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. First, we'll take public comment from folks in the room. We don't, I don't see anyone here. So we'll take remote public comment from individuals who have received an accommodation for a disability. Uh, I've given these individuals a code to speak uh, to, pre to prevent others from um, speaking during this time. Finally, we will hear from uh, remote public comment from all, all other individuals. There will be a time limit of 20 minutes on the total amount of remote public comment that can be heard on each item from uh, individuals who have not received an accommodation or disability. So let's first start with folks. Um, I see two hands raised. I know caller three is someone who's received an accommodation. Some uh, moderators, please unmute uh, him first, and then we'll go to caller four to see if that person's also got an accommodation. This is Patrick again, Code WW. Um, Thank you. Mr. Pickens continues asserting that CMS and CDPA still haven't accepted the revised closure plan. Um, it's inconceivable that six weeks after the requested changes were to were submitted to CDPH and CMS on February 2nd, that it still hasn't approved that closure plan. I submitted a complaint to CMS CDPH asserting that second Laguna Honda DPH and this commission are potentially violating the settlement agreement, paragraph 41, requiring all parties and signatories to the agreement to release documents under FOI law and our local sunshine ordinance. In past meetings, I've noticed Mr. Pickens has only been referred to as a doctor. Unless Mr. Pickens holds a PhD his salutation should be Mr., not Doctor. It's good hearing him say, though, that you're doing everything you can to save those 120 beds. The city attorney should submit a letter immediately seeking a waiver under CFR uh, paragraph 483.90, F is in Frank, 3. Parenthetically, I and double I dated March 3rd, 2023, that says all you have to do is submit a written waiver outlining why keeping those three room uh, suites 
will not cause uh, residents any harm. So, uh, Commissioner Bernal, I expect that you will work with the city attorney's office to get that letter submitted. I will forward to Mr. Morowitz the March 3rd document I just cited with that paragraph citation. Um, and you guys need to get that letter submitted now and not wait until the outcome of a recertification. Uh, we are all begging you, given the severe shortage of SNF beds in the city, to make sure that you get that waiver request submitted so that we don't keep discharging patients out of county away from their homes like happened during the initial closure plan. Please, please, please get that done. Your time is up. Thank you. Uh, let's unmute caller four. And caller four, please let us know if you've got a code. Oh, hi. Uh, Dr. Palmer TT is my code, I think. Thank you. Yes, you've got um, three minutes, Dr. Palmer. Yeah, I um, I agree with uh, Patrick Manette saw that uh, the waiver is, um, is something that we're all very concerned with. Um, we need those beds. It's a matter of... Uh, the human rights and the health of the people of San Francisco, given um, the lack of harm that would come from keeping those beds open and the risk to um, public safety that would occur uh, if uh, uh, the public was denied those beds, uh, given our shortage. And I would like more transparency um, about what can be done and what um, is being done. I think it is probably more a matter of political will than anything, and I do um, uh, think that um, this needs to be further publicized so the public can weigh in on how important it is to have those beds. Um, the other thing I'm concerned about is that the next 90-day monitoring survey is going to coincide with the date of uh, when evictions and closure uh, start up. and. Um, how we need to know uh, well before that whether uh, there will be an extension. It seems totally unfair to um, be dealing with both at once. And um, I, I would like more transparency around that. Um, I would also like to know uh, what the 23 preliminary deficiencies are. And I would appreciate if, if that survey was uh, made easily available to the public as soon as possible. We need to know whether Laguna Honda is going to need an extension from CMS and we need to mobilize the public to support it if Laguna Honda is going to need an extension. It's understandable, it's a big shift to turn around. I'm very pleased to hear the progress that's being made, but um, being transparent with the public will be um, I think good for Laguna Honda in the long run in terms of garnering the support that we need at all levels of government. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. That's the last public comment request. All right, thank you, Secretary Moritz. Commissioners, any comments or questions on Director Pickens' uh, presentation? Commissioner Chow. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, I think public comment also was alluding to the issue that I had uh, 
which is uh, looking at your time frame and understanding the strategies that we're going to have. First of all, it was great and certainly shows enormous progress on the part of your team and on the part of the staff at Laguna uh, to move those um, deficiencies down from hundreds to literally dozens. And so uh, I'm understanding that once the uh, federal report has been officially accepted and released that that is public information. Um, and uh, in, in the meantime, uh, just looking at the calendar that you have given us, uh, it seems to say that uh, on um, May 13th, we are to have completed implementation of all 100% of the milestone, uh, well, of, of the flags or whatever they are. Um, since you're telling me the milestones are actually parts of what, what are really the uh, important uh, um, uh, survey elements. Uh, so, so that's the 13th. The 19th at the moment is the date that ends the uh, suspension of, of our uh, need to move patients. Sometime between May and July is the third survey. So somehow the government and our city needs to uh, have a strategy on not waiting to the last day to tell people that we're not going to restart the uh, movement of patients again. And, and that I think is of some concern to residents. I mean, we could say that you're not doing anything until that last day and therefore nobody has to worry about moving at all. But I'm not sure that that, uh, you know, will uh, help our residents uh, in a um, emotional manner. And, and I think that that is, uh, well, it, it's really cruel to the residents on the part of the federal government for not giving us more clarity and such a short time frame. It's like, well, I'll go day by day because May is just around the corner. So thank, thank you for your uh, comments, Commissioner Chow. And I agree with you. Uh, I have the same sentiments. And you know, my job is to uh, work through the director uh, to do everything we can that's within our control, which is to continue the advocacy uh, regarding both uh, the um, status of uh, any potential resumption of transfers or discharges, which are governed then by that closure plan that has not still been responded to, but we are uh, actively uh, uh, requesting that response. Uh, and um, I think there, as you aptly point out, there is this confluence of all these things occurring uh, at the same time. Uh, and so we will be working uh, to make sure that we do gain clarity uh, and uh, potentially and, and definitely not have what happened back in February where what, there was this last minute uh, situation. So um, thank you for pointing it out. We are aware of it. And uh, in our dialogue and uh, discussions with all the partners, the many partners who are part of this, uh, we are bringing this forward uh, because it's definitely not in the best interest of our residents, our staff, or anyone to have that level of uncertainty. Uh, and as we gain more uh, knowledge uh, as to how this 
confluence can be further separated, we will definitely bring that back both to the JCC and then to the full commission. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Other comments or questions? Uh, and Director Pickens, first of all, thank you for that excellent presentation and um, also to you and your team and all of the staff at Laguna Honda for making such tremendous progress um, in this last survey. Um, just a couple things to put it in context. I recall that the previous survey lasted more than three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, and this one was wrapped up in just about a week's time, which is a, a significant change there. Um, also just the number of milestones that have been reached over the course of this entire process. And let's not forget also that Laguna Honda Hospital is the largest publicly run skilled nursing facility in the country with, you know, upwards potentially of 700 residents. Um, and just to again highlight the, um, you know, the, the effectiveness of Laguna Honda, particularly in controlling uh, COVID. Uh, within Laguna Honda. While every single, you know, death is tragic and, and one too many, Laguna Honda stands apart from just about any other skilled nursing facility in the country in terms of its efforts and success in controlling the, the, the spread of COVID. So I just want to make sure that everybody remembers all of that because we really are talking about an institution that provides a critical service to the people of San Francisco and, and, and needs to be preserved. And as you know, the entire the commission is entirely committed to supporting you in doing that. So thank you for your, for your excellent work and leadership again. Thank you. I think, oh, uh, Director Colfax. Thank you, President Bernal and commissioners. And I just want to take a moment to also acknowledge the leadership of Mr. Pickens and his incredible team. And the fact that in, in running uh, Laguna Honda, the day-to-day -day operations, um, really integrating the quality improvement work that I think I, I know the secretary saw and witnessed. And uh, Mr. Pickens took a very active role in demonstrating the, the, the improvements. The, the teams uh, on the units in the neighborhoods were very, very actively engaged with the secretary and the mayor in terms of sharing uh, not only their perspectives, but also committed their commitment to the residents that Laguna Honda succeeds in, in, in recertification. And just to add, in terms of the quality improvement, I think it, the reflection of going from 124 to 23 findings, uh, there are 6,000 quality improvement observations happening a week at Laguna Honda, 6,000. And just to also emphasize that if you go to any neighborhood in Laguna Honda now, you will see a, a quality improvement board, uh, which has all the, the key milestones that Laguna Honda must meet uh, to, to meet recertification and how the unit is performing on uh, key indicators. So just to emphasize the fact that uh, the work of Laguna Honda is a big uh, ship to turn, uh, but uh, it is it is turning. And I think going back to the, the data, uh, we have quantitative uh, proof that, uh, that things are, are going in the right direction. So just want to thank, again, Mr. Pickens and, and his team for the incredible uh, work. And of course, everyone at Laguna Honda, every staff person who is deeply committed to ensuring that we succeed in recertification. Thank you. Colfax. Uh, thank you, Director Pickens. Okay, our next item is the Joint Conference Committee and other committee reports. Uh, we have Commissioner Tessie Guillermo, who is the chair of the Laguna Honda Hospital Joint Conference Committee. Commissioner Guillermo. Thank you, President Bernal. Um, uh, um, 
was happy actually to report that uh, our, at our JCC meeting of March 14th, it was the first time that we had gathered uh, in, um, in person since the start of the pandemic. And so it was actually quite, uh, you, uh, you know, um, it was nice to be able to see all of the folks that have been working as hard as they have over the last, you know, so many, many, many months uh, and to really uh, have that dialogue in person uh, and to actually see uh, things in action. There was a fire drill uh, while we were uh, uh, meeting. And so to, to be present for uh, that, um, that action, I think, was, uh, was uh, sort of a good thing for the members of the committee to be uh, witness to. Uh, at the meeting, uh, the committee discussed a presentation very similar uh, to what Mr. Pickens shared today. And at the time, the CMS surveyors were still on site. Uh, so there was less information about how long they would stay and what they would find. And as Mr. Pickens reported, uh, we're very fortunate and uh, indicative of the hard work uh, that has been put uh, into play that the uh, survey lasted only a week uh, with only the 23 preliminary deficiencies uh, that have been mentioned. Uh, the JCC also reviewed the policies included that uh, are on the consent calendar uh, today uh, and recommended that the full health commission approve them and we'll get to that uh, next. Um, uh, but due to the CMS survey uh, activities, the, the JCC meeting was shortened and the regulatory affairs and hiring and vacancy reports were included on the agenda but not presented by staff as they were with the surveyors uh, throughout the meeting. Uh, both items were available for the public to make comments, however. Uh, and then in closed session, the committee approved the credentials report and the PIPs minute report. And again, I'd like to reiterate uh, or associate myself with the comments of President Burnell uh, and really commend uh, the, uh, the effort the continued effort, uh, that seemingly endless effort uh, that has been put into uh, the work at uh, getting um, Laguna Honda recertified, as well as to really prevent the uh, uh, worst of outcomes with regard to uh, the closure uh, plan uh, and any other uh, threats uh, to the continuation and uh, of Laguna Honda's residents, the livelihood of all of those that work there. Thank you. Commissioner Guillermo, do we have any public comment on this item? Yes, uh, I see one hand. Uh, moderator, please um, unmute the caller. <clears throat> caller, please begin. Uh, thank you. It's Patrick Winnetraw again, or you can call me WW. Um, noticeably missing from Commissioner Guillermo's summary just now of last week's JCC meeting is any mention of the closed session up, update last week on both Laguna Honda's recertification and revised closure plan, which were uh, additional topics in closed session beyond the PIPS report. Mr. Fickens announced uh, before last week's closed session that Laguna Honda's 90-day monitoring survey had just begun. And so it's now good hearing that it only lasted a week and there were uh, only 23 
uh, citations, although I had really hoped that there would be no citations. Members of the public in Laguna Honda's residence should not have to wait for a probable month or more it will take Laguna Honda's QIE contractor, HSAG, to write an additional root cause analysis report and another action plan to detail the results and findings of the 90-day survey that just uh, completed. So I support Dr. Palmer's um, remark that it, that survey results should be released expeditiously, and I'm aware of um, federal regulations and guidance to state agencies that require immediate release of um, the uh, 2567 findings and the action plan. So I will be requesting those as public records um, to try to speed up uh, receipt of the uh, QIE's follow-up um, root cause analysis and action plan. Um, you guys have an ethical duty to San Franciscans to disclose the closed session discussions around the status of the revised closure plan because I find I still find it inconceivable that CMS and CDVH have been sitting on releasing and approving the revised plan that you finally submitted uh, six weeks ago on February 2nd. Uh, Time is up. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Any other public comment? That was the only caller. Commissioners, if we have no comment on this item, we can move into the next associated item, which is the consent calendar. For this, we go back to uh, Commissioner Guillermo. Uh, thank you, President Bernal. Uh, as stated uh, in my uh, summation of the um, uh, the March 14th uh, Laguna Honda JCC meeting, we did uh, uh, review and recommend uh, the uh, to the full commission. Uh, the uh, adoption of the policies as listed uh, here on the uh, on the agenda and in the packet. All right, thank you, Commissioner Guillermo. Uh, and I just realize that this uh, represents a great deal of work on uh, the part of the JCC and Laguna Honda staff. So, thank you for that. Uh, do we have a motion to approve? Oh, uh, Secretary Mo. Don't we do a motion first? Yes, of course. Okay. I just want to remember before you do the vote. Yeah. Do you have a motion to approve? So moved. Second. All right. Do you have any public comment on this item? Yes, sir. We've got one hand. Moderator, please um, unmute. And thank you so much. This is so helpful on my end. Again, it's Patrick Manetsaw. I'll try to be brief regarding approval of the policies listed on the consent calendar. It still remains shocking. The Health Commission hasn't reviewed and updated Laguna Honda's Nursing Restorative Care Policy D-1.0 to respond to root cause number eight, lack of a formalized restorative nursing program in the resident rights and freedom from harm section 
of the first root cause analysis report dated uh, December 1st. Even earlier, as far back as Laguna Hunter's first mock survey that began on June 28th, it had identified problems with the restorative nursing program and re recommended that nursing take corrective action to reopen the restorative gym for residents. Nine months later, that entire program remained problematic. Laguna Hunter's subsequent action plan claimed that, quote, gap analysis, end quote, on restorative programming would be completed by January 25th in a, quote, scope of services, end quote, document, uh, defining parameters and updating restorative policies would be completed by February 8th. Today is March 21st. Were those two documents completed? And if so, shouldn't the restorative policy also been uh, completed and be on this list of consent agenda, uh, consent calendar items? We need that. We need to see the revised Laguna Honda restorative nursing policy immediately. Thank you. All right, that's the only caller. Caller, commissioners, do you have any comments or questions before we move to a vote? Vice President Green. Yes, well, I'd like to amplify Commissioner Guillermo's comments about the quality of these policies and procedures because they are well thought out. It was an incredible collaborative effort on the part of the team, and it incorporates so many elements of both the corrective action plans as well as uh, phase three regulations. And it was just very heartening. And I, I also appreciate having had the time to review them. So thank you for getting them to us. And uh, Secretary Morris, thank you for making sure we got them in plenty of time. Because having looked over many of these rules and regulations for the, uh, for the general as well as for Laguna and over the few years, I've really seen the specificity and the quality and really the thought processes because you can read regulations, but it's one thing to read them. It's another thing to see that they're really actionable, understandable and structured in a way that that really promotes uh, uh, the, the utility of the regulations. So I just wanted to say that these were quite impressive and, and it's a privilege to be able to approve them. Commissioners, any other comments or questions? Seeing, oh, Commissioner Chow. Yes, I, I would only comment and, and echo uh, Vice President's uh, position. Even though I was not able to go to the JCC, I did review all of the policies and concur with JCC's recommendations. Thank you, Vice President Chow. Or sorry, Commissioner Chow, excuse me. Uh, Commissioner Guillermo. I uh, just wanted to. Um, uh, state my thanks to both uh, Commissioners Green and Chow uh, for their detailed uh, uh, analysis of the policies and uh, actually uh, quite a number of uh, comments and questions that the staff uh, were able to address uh, again given that the survey had started uh, to really also attend to uh, the comments and questions that are coming forth from the commissioners really speaks to uh, again the competency uh, and the knowledge that the staff has and the desire to really make sure that the policies are reflective 
uh, of all of the changes that are necessary, required, and uh, 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 and hoped for uh, for the future of Laguna Honda. Thank you, Commissioner Guillermo. Uh, seeing no other comments, uh, we can go to a vote. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> All right. The uh, consent calendar is approved. Our next item is the Laguna Honda Hospital and Rehabil Rehabilitation Center policy. For this, we have uh, Dr. Claire Horton in her dual roles as Chief Medical Officer of the Health Network as well as Acting Laguna Honda Chief Medical Officer. Dr. Horton, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. So happy to be here in both capacities. Um, I actually am also joined by my colleague, uh, Dr. Yifang Chen, who is Head of Psychiatry at Laguna Honda Hospital and I believe will be presenting the policy. Great, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, good afternoon, uh, commissioners. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, present to you this uh, policy. This is a policy for the Honda. Please speak up a little bit. Okay, closer to the computer, doctor. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Right. <laughs> um, this is, how, how is this? That's better. Thank you. Yes, that's okay. better. Thanks. Great, great. So this is for about Laguna Honda Psychiatry Substance Treatment and Recovery Services. Um, the revision of this policy is one of the deliverables for the um, action plan um, um, root cause under behavioral health and SUV. Um, the particular area is related to uh, care plans, um, reflect, uh, reflecting uh, patients' care needs. Uh, patients with um, SUD. So the policy revision is a product of uh, extensive work by our work group. Um, the main changes include we added documentation for non-specialty services for residents with SUD uh, that they will be entered in the EHR and accessible by RCT. And we clarify the process of um, uh, obtaining the resident's um, consent for release of the information if they are part of the, uh, getting specialty level substance treatment. So um, the, we added that if residents are willing to participate in the um, specialty substance treatment program, they will be referred to and enrolled in the program. Um, we added that they would be asked to sign the um, release of information form for permission for our substance treatment providers to share treatment record with um, uh, the RCT. Uh, we added a whole section on the consent for the release of the information, um, spelled out the detailed uh, workload on that. Um, including patients' right to revoke the ROIs at any point. Um, we added if the if a resident who want to participate in the SUD treatment, but they don't want to consign uh, to consent for ROI, what we could do, um, we would continue to document in the um, in the different EHR and um, the we we would. Uh, will continue to uh, care plan for residents' care needs based on available clinical information. Um, and then last but not least, we also added the reference to uh, Laguna Honda Policy 75-05. 
um, illicit or prohibited drugs policy for other aspects involving uh, resident um, substance use and the contraband presence. So it's a very comprehensive revision of this uh, policy. And I should add that this has been vetted by compliance and city attorney, as well as have been uh, accepted by the QIE. Um, that's my summary, thank you. And Commissioner Bernal, Dr. Horton has her hand up if, if she can follow up. Yeah, thank you so much. I just wanted to thank Dr. Chen. It's been a pleasure to work with Dr. Chen at, at Laguna Honda, and I have a lot of um, uh, so much respect for everything that the Psych Department of Psychiatry is doing there. I just wanted to add two things. One is that RCT is, uh, that stands for Resident Care Team, and they have RCCs, which are Resident Care Conferences. Um, so that might have been confusing, but also that the overarching purpose of this is that we've realized we have um, very good uh, services for uh, our residents who have a history of substance use um, or ongoing addiction uh, challenges. And we have really good mental health services for our residents who just have general mental health needs and behavioral health needs. Um, but it is at times hard to coordinate those services because um, of the, uh, we haven't had a clear process for sharing of information um, uh, between the two ways that those that type of care is documented. This, uh, these changes to this policy will allow um, residents to still always have the option to keep some of their um, information more private as is their right by state law, but it also goes further in terms of educating them about what that consent uh, implies and allowing those who are um, in favor of having their practitioners be able to have full transparency in all their treatment modalities, uh, be able to better coordinate care through the electronic medical record and through the resident care conferences. So overall, I think it's a really important change for to both clarify a process, kind of confirm resident rights to their own health information, but also um, enhance care coordination for people who have both substance use and mental health um, uh, issues at Laguna Honda. And Dr. Chen, you can jump in if keep me honest if I said anything wrong there. No, it's great. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Horton and Dr. Chen, and also to Dr. Horton for anticipating my questions. So I uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, before we go into commissioner comments or questions, do you have public comment on this item? Uh, there's one hand. Moderator, please unmute the caller. Uh, this is Patrick. Again, I'm just ad-libbing this. Um, it was good to hear the clarification on uh, the acronym RCT, but I thought that as part of the policy and procedure um, that <clears throat> there was going to be a new super uh, oversight committee, and I'm forgetting the acronym for that right now. I think it's RCC, as in Charlie Charlie. And you guys haven't discussed uh, whether that uh, new oversight body is going to work in conjunction or replaces the IDT interdisciplinary team process and how often this new committee will be meeting to review um, uh, the work of the RCT and um, the IDT team. So it'd be nice to hear something more about this additional body. 
Thank you. Thank you, caller. I believe that Director Pickens has something he'd like to add. Thank you, C C President Bernal. Um, again, want to say thank you to Dr. Chen and Dr. Horton uh, for working on this. Uh, it is very much uh, a um, significant part of the root cause analysis and uh, uh, milestones related to improvement of behavioral health services. Especially uh, want to thank Dr. Horton uh, because she this week is handing off a baton to Dr. Nita Ratanawangsa, who is joining uh, as the um, uh, act, uh, interim chief medical officer. And so we'll be work, uh, Dr. Ratanawangsa will be assuming much of the work that Dr. Horton has done on this policy and many others, and we'll be working uh, going forward with Dr. Uh, Chen, uh, although Dr. Horton will be coming back to more to her network role. She will still have her tentacles in at Laguna. We're not letting her go completely uh, because she has immersed herself so much into the organization and just has a wealth of knowledge and we need all hands on deck. And so she will still be there uh, in spirit uh, with us. Thank you, Director Pickens. I was going to congratulate uh, Dr. Horton for going back to just having one job, but it sounds like that isn't quite the case. <laughs> Knowing you, I'm not surprised. So, uh, all right, Commissioners, comments or questions? All right, Commissioner Chow. Yes, uh, I uh, also really commend Dr. Horton for the work that she has done, and uh, I, I don't know our new uh, come, uh, you know, forthcoming. Uh, interim uh, medical officer. I knew that uh, when you took that role that we were quite comfortable uh, knowing the excellent role that you have played over at General in terms of uh, being able to work with the medical staff and understanding such issues as regulations and, and, and things that often we doctors don't. So um, thank you. I, I did want to try to understand uh, policy is very well written and certainly is very protective of patient rights and all and is very clear. Um, I'm, I'm trying to understand what the difference is between a non-specialty versus a specialty uh, type of service. I can understand perhaps non-specialty might be a consultation, but um, when then from the consultation staff carries out something uh, is there no follow-up or does it require going into a specialty to have follow-up and then uh, are specialty services perhaps uh, um, very special programs so I, just trying to understand that differentiation that you're making uh, you certainly have made clear uh, what the technical aspects and the documentation are uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Chow, for your question. Um, so the main difference between non-specialty level of services and specialty, uh, that's um, about the 42 CFR protection. Um, so specialty level of uh, substance treatment services, their treatment, um, they include a whole spectrum of services, assessment, diagnosis, um, individual group counseling, uh, treatment planning. So th those are specialty level. They require um, staff with 
uh, certain licenses and credentials to provide those services, and they're provide they are protected under federal law 42 CFR and very strict um, uh, privacy protection. Non-specialty level of services is really an, an a welcoming. Um, trauma-informed uh, approach, um, basic screening, motivational interviewing, the, usually the, the initial engagement work for um, anybody referred to our team to um, assess their needs for substance use services. So treatment hasn't happened yet, but it's a lot of the work upfront for engagement. And also um, it's quite common for patients who just come to Laguna Honda, they are not necessarily able or ready right away to receive um, in-depth um, specialty services. So um, they may receive other services from our department, like mental health services or um, psychotropic medication management or neuropsych services. The non-specialty level of engagement work is embedded in all of the services we provide. We take opportunities um, at any point of encounter to try to engage patients in um, discussion about their SUV, um, about their goals um, and recovery uh, plans, things like that. So um, when that that's considered non-specialty, and so that's not under the 42 CFR strict um, um, restriction for in terms of privacy. So they are these services are documented in uh, EPIC. They can be seen uh, by the RCT um, directly very easily. The specialty services because of 42 CFR, they are actually in um, documented in a separate EHR in avatar. So that's kind of an overview of the Oh, sorry, I was going to add, coming from the world of general medicine, this term confused me at first as well, because we kind of throw around the term specialty in general care, obviously in, in the world of general medicine, but um, in the general health world, it has a very specific meaning, and this, uh, I've been, it's been helpful to me to understand the difference, especially if we also wearing my other hat, looking for the PHS, acting onto EPIC, this is going to be a big topic there as well. In terms of firewalls and you know care coordination and uh, different regulations around uh, specialty versus non-specialty mental health. Thank you very much. That was a very uh, clear explanation. Uh, I appreciate it very. All right. Seeing no additional comments or questions, we can move to a vote. Uh, we have a motion and a second on the table. All of those in favor of approving the uh, Laguna Honda Hospital and Rehabilitation Center policy, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, motion is carried. Thank you, Dr. Horton and Chen. Thank you. All right, our next item is the approval of the minutes of the Health Commission meeting of March 7th, 2023. I understand that we did have some amendments offered and would like to hand it over to Secretary Morowitz to go over those. Yes, I apologize ahead of time. I made a few errors. Um, uh, one that I did not note to you all, commissioners, on page two, the approval of the minutes uh, is listed as February 21st, 20, 2022, not 2023, so I corrected that. And then Commissioner Chow um, noted um, on page five there too, um, he asked me to add a comment from him under item five, the public health and safety bond update. It'll now say Commissioner Chow commended the efforts to control the rising costs and the efforts to find funding to complete the project. 
And then under item six, first sentence, um, he asked me to add the word asked. So the sentence now read, Commissioner Bernal asked for examples of issues that would trigger a deeper assessment. All right, thank you, Secretary Marwitz. Uh, after reviewing the uh, minutes and hearing the uh, amendments, is there a motion to approve? So moved. Right, we have a motion and a second. Uh, any public comment? Yes, sir, there's one hand. Moderator, please unmute. It's WW again. I don't, I don't know why that reminds me of George Bush. Anyway, it's good seeing in the March 7th commission meeting the testimony I presented, noting that Laguna Hunter's action plan is shockingly full, itemizing basic problems in every department. It was a damning admission that the MDS system, MDS coordinators, MDS department, and probably the quality management department aren't doing their jobs preparing comprehensive care plans and providing quality of care to Laguna's residents. The MDS is mandated by CMS for every SNAP in the country. Of the 24 milestones, one was to create a charter and establish a new resident care conference, the RCC, which I just mentioned a minute ago in my previous comments about the RCT. Um, so the resident care conference, it seems, is part of a new charter and new MDS policy that still needs to be approved by the, uh, uh, by the commission because it involves a new policy. It was kind of um, ironic hearing uh, Mr. Prickenstitz now mentioned that um, Dr. Horton will be keeping her tentacles. Uh, it, that had to have been a Freudian slip. Many of Laguna Hunter's problems in the past several years have, because, have been because there are too many SSHN managers who lack skilled nursing facility experience have their tentacles of acute care mindset wrapped around Laguna Honda's managers. This is just one more indication that you, the commission needs to continue uh, uh, searches for senior Laguna Honda management positions to have skilled nursing facilities to keep the acute care tentacles out of managing Laguna Honda. Thank you. Commissioners, any questions or comments before we move on to a vote on the minutes? All right. All those in favor of approving the minutes, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. The minutes are passed. Our next item is the uh, director's report. For this, we have uh, Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of Health. Dr. Colfax, take it away. Thank you, Bur President Bernal, and uh, good afternoon, commissioners. You have the director's report in front of you. I will go through items quickly, highlighting, of course, happy to answer any questions. Item number one is prioritizing women's health at DPH. March is Women's History Month and an opportunity to highlight the contributions of women to events in history and contemporary society. There is a vast amount of work that Team DPH does to promote and protect the health and wellness of women and girls, 
including trans women and non-binary people in our hospitals and clinics and our programs throughout the city. And I will uh, note as examples, uh, we have 13 bullets, I will not read them, uh, but really uh, bullets that exemplify the depth and breadth of the work that we do. Um, and it's really great to be able to highlight uh, that work during uh, Women's History Month. Item number two is highlighting World TB Day 2023 events. World TB Day was on, is on March uh, 24th. And uh, there are a number of events that we, we held, including a, a, and attended, including uh, the San Francisco TB Clinic. Our TB Clinic will be featured in a World's TB Day Symposium hosted by the UCSF T TB Center. Staff members from SF TB Prevention Control will be hosted by the Community Living Room, a collaboration of San Francisco Community, Community Health Center, Code Tenderloin, and City Hope to provide education about TB prevention and city resources. And San Francisco City Hall will be illuminated in red in recognition of World TB Day on the evening of March 24th, joining prominent landmarks around the country and the world. And I think it just is a testament uh, to the focus on public health, including TB in our city, that our, our city hall will be uh, lit uh, in commemoration of, of this uh, event. And we all know TB remains an extraordinarily uh, serious disease. And the team at DPH is deeply committed uh, to, to preventing uh, uh, TB and when TB cases occur, ensure that people have the very best top-notch uh, quality of care. Next item is Vision Zero, related to Vision Zero SF. The commissioners know that Vision Zero SF is a city's road safety policy that builds safety and livability into our streets, protecting the one million people who move around the city every day. Vision Zero SF is an interdepartmental collaborative committed to building better and safer streets, educate the public on traffic safety, enforce safety law, safety, enforce traffic laws, and adopt policy changes that save lives. The Population Health Division of DPH is one of Vision Zero SF's collaborative partners, and they have recently shared the following 2023 year-to-date data regarding traffic <coughs> fatalities in our city. And you can see the data uh, presented in the table in the report from 2018 to 2023. Next item is recognizing the Environmental Health Branch's Hazardous Materials Unit Team. Notably, last month there was a house explosion that occurred in the Sunset District. The San Francisco Fire Department and the Police Department responded to the incident and suspected that the explosion may have been caused by one or more hazardous materials and requested DPH's assistance. Jonathan Piakis was our on-call responder for the incident and he was able to use a portable device to analyze and identify a variety of unknown materials at the incident. This information was critical in allowing other emergency responders to understand the potential health risk of the materials and to make decisions on how to respond. In addition, Jonathan will be providing expert testimony at the trial for this event. The valuable service this, G, the, this DPH team provides for the city dates back more than 30 years and was created in coordination with the San Francisco Fire Department. And in terms of uh, the last item on the director's report, the COVID-19 update, 
San Francisco seven day rolling average of new COVID cases is 73 and 85 people uh, were hospitalized as of March 15th, including 10 in the ICU. 86% of all San Francisco residents have been vaccinated. 65% have received a booster dose and 38% of residents have received a bivalent booster. That concludes my director's report. Happy to answer any questions of the commissioners. Thank you. Thank you, Director Colfax. Do you have public comment? Uh, folks on the line, I don't see any hands uh, yet. Folks on the line, we're on item nine. In case you would like to make public comment, please press star three. No public comment, commissioners. All right, commissioners, comments or questions for Director Colfax? Commissioner Chow. Yes. Uh, uh, I want to thank Dr. Colfax and his office for actually providing further information about the uh, World Health TB Day. Um, ironically, and by chance, I had uh, come across an article from the old Asian week in the year 2000, in which on World Health Day, uh, Supervisor Chen, uh, Tang and uh, Supervisor, uh, oh yeah, Li Lin-Yi, uh, uh, actually uh, in uh, Chinatown, along with myself, had spoke about the need for our community to really uh, address the issue of the rising numbers, well, not the rising numbers, but the very high numbers of TB in the city uh, and uh, compare it also to our uh, other residents and to the nation. And, and while we're still, you know, high, at that time, uh, Supervisor Tang had promised we would eradicate this. Uh, uh, speaking as uh, her a role of uh, creating more dollars for the uh, uh, programs that would help uh, with this. Of, of course, it was uh, necessary and is necessary to have a continuum of uh, programs that uh, over these years. So I was curious if in the 20 some odd years, we actually had made any difference at this point. And I'm really happy to say that your office gave me information that indicated that we're actually at about a third of the prevalence before that. Uh, I think it was saying that, you know, the report will show that we have about 45 cases out of every 100,000 and that uh, today we're at 15. So I want to commend the department for the work they're out there uh, doing uh, in order to uh, try to reach that uh, our community. Uh, uh, all uh, all boats rise and all boats go down, it looks like, at the same time, because it appears that uh, there has been a very successful program for the entire city. And unfortunately, the Asian Pacific Islander remains uh, with that same disproportion within the city, but it's great to have the very important absolute numbers being done. So I really thank you for the extra effort. It just happened by serendipity, as I said, that uh, I, I found this article from so many years ago and thought, gee, did we really make a difference? And it's sort of nice to see that we really are making a difference. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Chow. Vice President Green. Yes, well, I wanted to applaud the department and all the affiliated organizations for the efforts you're making in women's health. It was announced this week that maternal mortality is higher than it's been since 1965. And that's before the travesty and destruction that the Dobbs decision is going to cause. 
So we have so many innovative programs and looking at these, Team Lilly, the Abundant Birth Project, which is innovative and fantastic, the Black Infant Health Program. I think we have the potential to lead the way in health for birthing people and individuals who are seeking contraception in a way that we did for HIV in the past. So I fully support these programs. The discrimination in this country is absolutely appalling. And if we don't lead, and, and all of these programs, so many, show that we are really on the cutting edge and forefront of trying to address the inequities that seem to be growing in this country. So I'm very appreciative of what's going on and fully supportive of everything all our department is doing and in the mental health component as well, which will only worsen as more and more women across this country who don't want to stay pregnant are, are forced to give birth. So I, I'm very appreciative of this work. Thank you, Vice President Green. Any other comments or questions? All right, seeing none, we'll move on to our next item, which is uh, other business. Commissioners, do you have any other business? Do you want me to bring up the, uh, the issue of Tom Chase at this point? Or is it, uh, uh, Commissioner Chow. Yes, uh, commissioners, I'd like to bring to our attention and ask that we consider a uh, our adjournment uh, in memory of uh, Supervisor Tom Shea. Uh, Tom was a member of the board from 1987, approximately 1987 to 19, uh, for about uh, 11 years, and is truly a success story uh, in San Francisco. A giant who uh, led us, uh, our, our community, the Asian Pacific Islander community, to become more active to become more involved in um, on the city, state, and national levels so that our community could have a voice. He was first appointed to the Board of Supervisors uh, by uh, uh, Mayor Diane Feinstein. And at that time, we had citywide elections, which is really difficult to um, really, as uh, a broad base, requires a broad base to win. He won his own term and actually served full, two full terms. He was the budget chair of the board. Um, I, uh, my family and ourselves, myself, uh, had very close relations with the Shays. And we were able, during the time of fiscal crisis, at the time that he came into office, as, uh, as the budget chair of the board to help explain uh, the roles and the importance of public health to uh, uh, our uh, residents and the need for adequate funding for the various programs. And, and through his years there, uh, he often reached out uh, in order to understand the public health needs as he deliberated uh, first as budget chair and then also, of course, as a member of the board, uh, the uh, health needs of San Francisco. Uh, on a national level, um, well, I should say that his story is really amazing uh, for a moment or two to take on reflection because it's truly the American story. 
He was uh, basically uh, a, a refugee during the Chinese Civil War, moving from China to Taiwan. Came to the United States in San Francisco uh, at the age of nine years. Was educated locally here through our own public schools and the University of California. Became an architect, and as an architect, uh, in his uh, work, he was able actually to create, uh, uh, design, and help build 1,600 units of low and moderate income housing at that time. He also built the largest building in Chinatown, the Mandarin Towers. So when you see it, and it's opposite what he had promised the people, which of course he could not deliver, the subway that came into Chinatown. But of course the subway today faces the Mandarin Towers. So uh, it, uh, he, um, he was always therefore thinking of people. He also realized it was really necessary to get involved in, uh, uh, in, in national politics and actually was the founding and chairman of the uh, Asian Pacific Caucus for the uh, Democrat, that National Democratic Party, uh, served many years in that role. And it was always not necessarily just to be partisan, but to demonstrate that it was important to be heard that you had to participate. So I, I believe that it would be very appropriate for our uh, um, commission here to really uh, pay our um, respects to uh, Tom's passing and I would ask at the time of adjournment that we adjourn his memory and then let his family know who's still here in San Francisco that uh, we uh, uh, had uh, that action taken. So uh, thank you. Thank you Commissioner Chow. I know that the commission will be uh, Glad to adjourn in memory of Tom Shea and gratitude for his leadership and with condolences to his family. Uh, any public comment? There's no hands for this issue. All right. Okay, our next item then is a closed session. Will we be taking a vote as to whether or not to hold a closed session in relation to item 11D? on the agenda, which is Laguna Honda Hospital and Rehabilitation Center quality update regarding recent regulatory survey activity. Do we have a motion to go into closed session? So moved. Second. And, and uh, commissioners, um, I'll note there's actually two votes. You'll vote on item B, as you correctly just said, Commissioner Bernal, and then item C is also whether you will vote to um, uh, call, what's the right language, assert uh, attorney-client privilege in the closed session. So, All right. Um, so certainly move forward with that vote, but I want to make sure you knew there was another one coming. Can that be one motion or do they need to be considered separate? Separate motions, please. Separate motions. Okay, so the first motion on the table is whether or not to go into closed session. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, any public comment? I see no public comment. Uh, no, no hands raised. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed? And then our next item is whether or not to, our next motion would be to whether or not to assert attorney-client privilege. So moved. Second. All right, seeing no public comment. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, we are in closed session. Members of the public, this is the last item on our agenda. 
Um, unless you choose to uh, stick around until we come back for adjournment, we thank you for joining us at this meeting, and we'll see you uh, in at our first meeting in April. Great. And uh, commissioners, give me a few minutes to uh, move us over.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. the contents of the open session or the closed session excuse me i move not to disclose second all right all those in uh any public comment i don't think there is okay any. uh all those in favor say aye. aye aye opposed all right motion carries we will not disclose the contents of the closed session uh that's the only motion we need here right uh, next, we will uh, entertain a motion to adjourn, and I will hand it over to Commissioner Chow. So I would uh, uh, make a motion to adjourn in the memory of former Supervisor Thomas Shea. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All right. We're adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Commissioner. Dr. Baba.